What's up, fellas, and welcome back to another episode of the Grown Man Podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Kersey. And before we get into today's episode, I need to ask you for some help. As my community of men, uh, my faithful early listeners here, I, I need to be real. The The reality is that our small, scrappy team here is leaning into this calling of just just having real conversations about what it means to pursue biblical manhood, about what it means to be on a journey to figure out what it looks like to be a grown man in faith, work, life, marriage, fatherhood, uh, as a new uh, new college grad, as an entrepreneur, as a business leader, as a brother in Christ, as an actual brother, as a son, whatever it is, right? We're we're just exposing some of the conversations, some of the lessons learned from men that are also on this journey, right? And it's a journey, not a destination. And we're having a blast having those conversations. And we really believe that God has called us into this mission because he wants to do something awesome. It's not about what we want out of this thing. We really have no agenda around it other than, hey, let's God's calling us to this thing. Let's show up and do it and let's see what he does with it because I have faith that if he's calling us to it, it's going to bring glory to his name, right? That's the whole purpose of this show. But I need some help, man. Well, really, like God needs some help, right? He wants, he doesn't need help, but he wants to use us in this process. And so here's what, here's what I'm asking you to do. If you have listened to this podcast and you believe in the mission and you're excited about watching what God is going to do with this platform, then I'd love to invite you to be a part of it. I'd love for you to tell at least one person about this show. Take a screenshot of the show and text it to them. I'd love for you to jump on social media, jump on LinkedIn and record a quick video or share in a text post or jump on Instagram and share to your stories. Whatever it is, I would love to watch our community of men rally around this message of manhood is a journey that we are all on and all figuring out, and we have to be prayerful, we have to get in the word, we have to listen to our mentors, and we gotta dig in and actually fight through this journey. And so if you would fight alongside me by uh, just helping us get this message out there, man, it would mean the world to me, and most importantly, I think it would bring glory to our awesome Father and our awesome Creator in the process. So that's my ask <laughs> before today's episode. So now that we have that out of the way, let's talk about today's guest. Today's guest is my new buddy, Aaron Mason. Aaron is the director of, of expansion for Next Door Photos, which used to be a little startup, not so little anymore, but a little startup out of West Michigan, Grand Rapids, Holland, Michigan, which those of you that know me know that Holland holds a dear place in Casey and I's hearts. But what was cool about this conversation, just hearing from Aaron, is God has taken next door photos from three locations in West Michigan to 42 locations internationally, uh, as they have a couple sites in Canada. 
Um, and it's cool to just hear some of Aaron's story as he's kind of taken on this role of director expansion and really been at the helm of growing from three to 40 plus locations uh, across the nation uh, and just learning a little bit more about their business model. They have a really unique business model. They're a certified B Corp. And I won't spoil uh, all of the episode, but we talk about concepts like what it means to be a social impact entrepreneur and kind of unpacking uh, that concept and just what it looks like to be a part of a hyper growth, fast growth organization uh, like Nextdoor Photos. So I'm excited for you guys to check it out. Let's dive into the show. Hey. Aaron Mason, welcome to the show, brother. Thank you. So good to be here. Thanks for being here, man. Thanks for being here. It's fun. You know, a lot of the guys that we've recorded with so far, I know pretty well, like a couple of them were yeah. similar connections to you. And so it's fun to, to chat with you where like we've had one conversation before <laughs> jumping onto this. Yeah, but we're thick as thieves, man. We're already best friends. That's, That's right. It does kind of feel that way. <laughs> yeah, it does yeah. kind of feel that way. That's so for the listeners that haven't heard much of your story yet, I'm excited to really dig deep into it. Yeah. But before we do that, give us kind of the quick like 30 second, who is Aaron Mason and, and what are you up to? Yeah, I am... Uh... Man. All right. Well, I am a social entrepreneur. Uh, I help run a company called Nextdoor Photos. I'm on the executive leadership team. Uh, we're a real estate photography company. If we get into my background, you'll realize why that's really weird uh, for me to be a part of. But also wife to Andrea, uh, 11 years we've been married. Uh, we've got four little boys, six and under. Uh, so we've got a busy, busy household. I'm recording uh, this with you during nap time uh, in my home <laughs> office, so it should be quiet for a little bit longer. Uh, um, and yeah, we're in West Michigan, the Grand Rapids area. Uh, that's where we call home, um, and God's doing a lot of really cool stuff here. And so, yeah, that's that's uh, that's kind of the wrap. That's that's what I'm doing right now. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. And we connected through Corey Carlson kind of yeah. indirectly through Corey Carlson, which yep. if any of the listeners recognize that name, Corey was uh, on the podcast back in episode five and was also our esteemed guest speaker at our first ever live event. So shout out, Corey. Yeah, um, Corey. But, uh, I, you know, I, I, I saw something that you commented on from Corey, went and checked out your profile, saw that you were in Holland, which holds a near and dear place to my heart. Yeah. Um, but then also looked at what you guys were doing at Nextdoor Photos and yeah. thought it was pretty fascinating at the surface. But then after chatting with you, I thought it was really, really fascinating. So talk to us a little bit about just like, what is Nextdoor Photos? Like, what, what are you doing yeah. in that company? Yeah. So we're, like I said, real estate photography and media. Um, so I think originally, you know, five, six years ago when we started it, it, I mean, real estate media was kind of on the the up, right? The uptick, I think, you know, Zillow and Trulia and, and a lot of these hosting sites started coming on. And so technology started to, to jump into the space and in the industry. And it was an industry kind of ripe for innovation after 2008, 2009 uh, kind of hit with the recession in, in the uh, housing industry. And so, um, yeah, so we started um, with really photography, drone, um, drone was starting to get big. We're in Holland, Michigan, right on the lake shores of Lake Michigan. Uh, shout out for Lake Michigan. It's amazing. It's uh, just like the ocean, but no salt, no sharks. So come visit. But we but we had a lot of lake houses and just beautiful homes and all this stuff. And so Taylor Blum, who's uh, the original founder of 
Nextdoor Photos had started it as a side gig, really, um, shooting for a couple of friends that were realtors uh, in the area. And it kind of continued to blossom and grow for a couple of years and got to a point where, you know, his wife, as most good spouses do when you start a side gig and it blows up, they say, uh, I want you back. It's kind of time to choose. Is it day job or is it this thing you're doing all night, staying up late? And mm. which one are you going to do? And, and um, he just really had a really cool vision uh, from God. And some really cool things happened in putting him in contact with some with some uh, investors and, and business partners, and, and really the idea was kind of spawned right then, um, back in 2015. Man, I think we could actually grow this, scale it, build something that could be replicatable, um, a la a franchise model, kind of looks like that, mm-hmm. and we could actually use this to really glorify God and, and expand the kingdom. Um, through business. And so mm. next door photos, that's what we do. We we provide real estate media for listing agents uh, in real estate for all of their properties that they need. And we started scaling the business um, in 2015. We When I came on in 2017 as the director of expansion, we had three locations. Uh, we had uh, the Lakeshore of, of West Michigan, Grand Rapids, and then Detroit, um, Ann Arbor area. And they asked me if I could come on and help kind of consult how do we do this nationally? And my background was in, you know, sales territory management and, and building, you know, mm. big sales uh, regions and things like that. And so um, happy to say uh, now, a few years later, we're at 42 locations on the ground in 18 states and operate in two countries. So we've got a couple of locations in Canada as well. And all of our locations are um, owned and operated by a local uh, business partner. So we we went, uh, we went away from the, the franchise model uh, and we went actually joint venture partnership. So we, we partner with everybody. We coach them up and help them scale the business on the ground. That's amazing, man. There's so like, there's so much to unpack and you did that, <laughs> that you did that, that spiel very, very well. You've done that a few times, yes, but, I have. Uh, I have. but uh, I mean, to go from three locations to 42 locations in 18 States and two countries yeah, right, yeah. is uh, there's a lot of learning in that, man. Oh man. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of tripping and falling uh, on the way, but uh, God's been good. Opened a lot of really cool doors, no pun intended, but it's been, it's been yeah. a blast. Yeah. I see what you did there. <laughs> I, li- I, I like the Lake Michigan shout out. You know, we got to be we got to be careful about that. We got a lot of Ohio listeners. Hey, they might get a little a little offended there. I'm, but. A, I'm a Michigan State <laughs> fan, just so everybody knows. <laughs> <laughs> the the right Michigan. Yeah, I don't like University. the Wolverines. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, it, it is funny. I was I was raised not too far from Columbus, and so grew up a Buckeye mm-hmm. fan. And uh, when my, my, I married my wife and started going up to Michigan to visit her sister in Holland, oh, man. and uh, I, I had to get over like, okay, like it's okay to go to Michigan, like yeah. that—that's an okay thing to do. Mm. But really, is beautiful part of the country. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious, you know, as you were kind of unfolding the early story of of Nextdoor Photos, one of the things that I thought was interesting is is your founder's vision that this could be a way bigger than just him with a couple cameras Mm -hmm. shooting real estate photography and B that it could actually expand the kingdom in the process. Where do you think, like, where did that vision for the company come from? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think we've all kind of huddled around that vision now as a leadership team. And as we've, you know, as you go through the process of building, you know, culture decks and, and vision statements and, 
what's our mission and going through all that over the last few years as we have as a team, you know, one of the key initiatives for us was to do business with the Holy Spirit. Man, he's way smarter than we are, <laughs> even if we have business degrees and, and uh, experience. Um, we just really felt like there was this thing missing. And, you know, Taylor and, and myself and a lot of actually a lot of the, the people on our team um, were millennials, uh, quite honestly. And uh, now I'm an old millennial. I'm 35. Uh, but I am definitely still a millennial. And, and I think I think something was born out of watching a lot of the people in our network and in our community it kind of fall away from their faith. And a lot of it was because of the disconnection between what they were doing on a day-to-day basis and, and what they were doing on Sunday. And I don't think this is necessarily a new theme. Um, I think there's a lot of voices speaking on that sacred-secular divide right now, which I love. But I think for our generation specifically, we just had this like thing in our heart of like, man, if we can connect those two things, if we can, we can be doing business with the Holy Spirit and, and God speaks to us about business, if we can do that well and then replicate that or build a business or a company where people our age can hop into it and, and get that as an example, get it coached into them, um, then you know maybe we can take some people on the ride and, and allow them to really bring those two things back together. Um, and, you know, it's no coincidence. It's a media company. Our generation is obviously addicted to social media and media. And so it, it, um, I think that was one, that was one big thing on our heart. Um, and, and I think it still remains on our heart. Um, and then I would say, you know, the, the other thing is real estate's a pretty cool industry. If you look at it, um, when you start talking to pastors and people in ministry within a city, and I've been to Cincinnati and I know all the cool things God's doing in Cincinnati through this, through the, the networks and churches and things. Um, I think it's really neat how uh, real estate and the industry plays a role within a city. And so who's the first person that a family meets when they move to a new city? It's a real estate agent typically, right? Mm-hmm. Who has the keys to the homes of the city? It's not the pastors yet. We, the pastor would say, I want to, I want to talk to 2000 homeowners a year. Well, mm-hmm. a, a next door photos owner gets to do that. Mm. We're in 2000 homes a year and in, in cool. more in, in some of our cities. Uh, we're interacting with homeowners. We're, we're interacting with influential people like real estate agents um, within a city. And so we just thought, man, this really actually marries quite well with, with, you know, the great commission and, and being able to build local companies and businesses in cities all over the U S with kingdom minded business owners. Um, so it just kind of, man, it, it made sense. Really. It made sense. Yeah. Yeah, man, I'm, I was so excited to have you on the show and you shared some of that vision with me because I think like one of the things that I grew up with was thinking that there was this strict division between secular work and vocational ministry, Yeah, right? And even the fact that like we know what those terms are, secular work and vocational <laughs> yeah. ministry, it says a lot about like traditional church kind of dogma. Yeah. And, but I think like one of the things that God has kind of opened my eyes to over the last few years is this, is this reality that like, there's no such thing, right? Like yeah. we're all a hundred percent in ministry and a hundred percent building a, a business or an organization or whatever, whether you run a nonprofit or a, or a for-profit or you're a B Corp like, like y'all are, which yeah. I, I do want to get into that in a second. <laughs> cool. But I think like the way that you just kind of uh, unveiled that is such the, like you said, kind of the perfect marriage between yeah. the great commission going out and building the kingdom and 
doing it in a way that ultimately is sustainable from yeah. a business perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you, when you first introduced yourself at the beginning of this recording, you called yourself a social impact entrepreneur. Yeah. And I, I, I love that term. And yet I think it gets tossed around a lot without a whole lot of clarity on what it actually means. Sure. Right. And I know you've done a lot of work and probably NDP has done a lot of work to really define kind of what does that actually look like? So yeah. talk to us a little bit about what does it mean to be a social impact entrepreneur? Yeah. Oh man, that's a good question too, because I think you're right. It depends on what coast you go to or where, what city you're in, uh, how that term is defined. Um, but I love, and I think what, what I've gotten sad maybe a little bit is even within the Christian culture, um, that's like almost, it's becoming like a dirty word, like um, in a sense. But the way I would define it, here's, here's what I would say. I would say it's someone who sees who sees business with a holistic perspective uh, that it's people that passionately believe that you can make profit and you can make impact at the same time. And then the entrepreneurship part is those that actually step out of the boat and build a product or a service around that premise. And so mm. there's going to be a risk involved uh, being a social impact entrepreneur. Um, but mm. yeah, it, for us at NDP um, and this is, you know, throughout our kind of culture decks and, and different things, it's, it's you can make you can make profit and impact, um, and the, mm. the big word is and. <laughs> it's not an mm. or, and so um, so yeah, I, I think that's a little bit of the the premise we stand on when we start talking about being social impact entrepreneurs. Yeah, will you talk a little bit about um, uh, the different processes that you uncovered as you were kind of offshoring some of the labor to India? and some changes that you guys made and how that process was handled? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's that's a really good point because I think for us early on, uh, you know, we had a heart to make this a, a social impact business, um, but we weren't exactly sure where that was going to be. Now, we knew there was some kingdom perspective like we talked about with the way that we structure the business as a partnership and, and finding local owners in cities that have a heart for that city and, and allowing them to, to build wealth and build a business in a city. That was like, man, as kingdom as it could get. Um, but for mm. us, we're like, I believe that there's also a social uh, impact that we can add into this. We just didn't know exactly where or how. Um, mm. and, and really, you know, my, my business partners and, and original founders of NDP, Paul and Taylor, I mean, they were the ones that architected this thing right from the beginning. They're just like, we want to do it. We're not sure where it fits. So what <laughs> happened was, out of necessity of our growth is where we figured out there was an impact, a social impact uh, piece of our business and operations. So um, we grew very fast. We're continuing to grow very fast. What happens is uh, in the media world, as you know, um, once you take some photos, you got to edit all those photos. And <laughs> editing photos takes a lot of time. Uh, and so we ran into that kind of barrier to scalability early on. And that almost necessitated um, taking that editing and, and offshoring that and, and really finding um, some partnerships overseas to be able to do that well, because uh, our, our tagline was next door next day. Um, and we had to figure out how to turn around hundreds of thousands of photos next day. Uh, eventually, it was what, what happened. <laughs> and uh, not being media people, maybe that that uh, there was a naivety to the amount of hours needed in the editing and processing. So Anyways, yeah, there, we, there was no like under promise over deliver factored in. No, that, no, 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 no. We, <laughs> we were we were sales guys. We we knew how to sell, we, but we had to figure out that <laughs> that supply chain uh, really well. And so, 
Um, you know, interestingly, you know, photo editing and outsourced photo editing, that's been an industry for a while. Um, outsourcing, you know, business process outsourcing has been massive in India and in Cambodia, Philippines, all these places for, for decades. So there's, there's, mm -hmm. as long as the internet's been around, people have been sending digital work overseas. So we knew that we could do that. Um, I think what we didn't realize was the amount of, um, inquiries you would get if you put that out there. So, I mean, mm. it was email after email uh, from India, really, you know, once you put it out there, they'll, they'll start emailing you. So we found some, some good partnerships in the beginning, but um, what we were realizing was happening was things are getting handed down the line um, that the operations we're working with or maybe farming out some of that editing to other uh, smaller shops and, and, you know, at a portion or a slice that would maybe even be looked at as exploitative. Um, just in the pricing. I mean, it just, there wasn't much to cut off for every middleman. So when we started realizing that, plus the quality was so sporadic and so up and down, mm -hmm. we just knew that we needed to, to make a switch. We knew that we didn't want to have exploitation in our supply chain. Um, and we knew that we needed to be able to solidify um, our quality and consistency across the board if we're going to launch 250 locations and, and have a uh, a standardized user experience um, for our customers, then we had to take care of that. So we, um, man, we honestly, it was, it was, uh, it was a bit of doing business with the Holy spirit, how it all came together. Um, mm. So our CEO, Paul took his kids uh, on a trip to the Philippines where, you know, we had a couple of relationships um, uh, in actually West Michigan. We, we knew some folks that had planted some churches there. And, and so he was literally just going to uh, have a conversation with, one editing company um, and ended up in church uh, in, in a church in the slums of Cebu um, next to uh, a man and his wife who are incredible uh, people that had launched a company there in Cebu with the heart to teach women and men coming out of sex slavery and human trafficking uh, 21st century skill sets. So computer work. Um, wow. And at that time they had about 20 people on their staff um, and they had kind of run out of business, um, and money. And Paul just looks at him and he, you know, after a meeting and, and a series of, of events, he says, can we, you know, can we, can we shift and train your, your people to edit photos? And, um, you know, they said yes. And, and we, man, built a really great friendship over the years mm -hmm. um, with them. And, you know, that was the start, uh, of really building a redemptive supply chain. Uh, and that's kind of what we've called it because now we realize that, you know, we're the demand side of this business and this supply chain side is where we can really make this massive social impact. And so it's, it's really fun now, um, you know, two and a half years later, we've, we've got, uh, we just launched an editing partnership in Nairobi, Kenya. Um, they're going live in, in the next week or two, um, editing, and then we're, we're helping launch, um, into Kathmandu, Nepal as well. Um, and all of those are focused on, you know, first, our goal is to uh, employ people coming out of human trafficking. But, but secondly, um, we want to see people that are uh, in underserved uh, people groups um, and people that are uh, at risk of exploitation get jobs and the dignity of work and, you know, paying them a livable wage. And, and those are the things that can really help shift the tide in a family's legacy. So now I'm happy to report, you know, at this point, uh, We've got about 350 editors now full-time. Um, wow. It's just, a, it's just a blast to see uh, how that goes. Now, talk about a place we made a lot of trips and falls and 
we learned a ton <laughs> is is doing business overseas and uh, overseas partnerships and and managing uh, you know forecasts and different things like that when you're growing it at the rate we are. Um, so we've learned a lot, but that uh, that remains kind of our big hairy audacious goal is to provide ten thousand jobs for people in that mm-hmm. demographic. Mm-hmm. That's amazing, man. 10,000 jobs. I mean, you know, 10 jobs is phenomenal (laughs) impact, right? 350 jobs is amazing impact. But you talk about that massive vision of could God help through us provide 10,000 jobs? I mean, 10,000 families being impacted, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's not counting your local partners. So that's that's yeah, amazing, exactly. Yeah, it wouldn't be a hairy, audacious goal if it, if it wasn't uh, big. And <laughs> we could do it ourselves. That's not a God-sized goal. So, mm. yeah. Amen. Amen. So I love, you know, hearing this this explosive growth, right? From figuring out offshoring to begin with, now 350 mm-hmm. full-time uh, editors, to from three local locations to 42 locations yeah. nationwide, and even a nice little touch of international uh-huh. flavor. Right. There's been some some amazing, like you said, God size, just mm. momentum and growth through the company. Uh, I, I'm sure as three men on the leadership team, I know there's more than yeah. just the three of you on yeah. the leadership team, but the three that we've talked about, like you've gotten some great insights into mm-hmm. what it means to be a man, right? Yeah, yeah. As a father of four and a husband and director of expansion for this hyper growth company. Yeah. I'd love for you to speak to a little bit, like, what have you learned about what it means to be a grown man doing what you're doing? Yeah, I love this because I knew we were going to get into this being the grown man podcast. Uh, (laughs) And, you know, I would I was I was thinking about this um, today, even this morning, I was working at a coffee shop and and going over kind of with the Lord, man, talk to me about this, this whole notion of being a grown man, because it honestly, at 35, I feel like I'm still young, uh, which I am, right? There's going to be people that are listening to this that are much older than me and, and they'll shake their heads. Yes, you're very young. Um, <laughs> but I did I did just speak at a, a, a university last week uh, in Nashville and hanging out with 19-year-olds, um, I do feel like a grown man. So uh, <laughs> It's all perspective, yeah, man. Things, have, things perspective. have shifted. Things have shifted. <laughs> I am the old man now, apparently. But um, no, I would say, uh, what does it mean uh, to be a grown man, other than going bald, um, I would say uh, it's responsibility, um, owning your actions. And uh, man, I think I think I learned that from a young age. I had a I had a father that man was amazing and, and spoke into me from a young age. Spoke into manhood. Uh, he was a director level nationally with Promise Keepers and. In the 90s if you remember oh yeah that wow. whole thing. And, they're, and they're coming back around but back in the heyday of promise keepers and and um yeah so my dad he would he would make me own my actions uh pretty mm. pretty routinely um and that was back i would say growing up i had a a temper um mm. and so punching walls or or knocking windows out or whatever dad made me fix them and uh mm. and so i think from a young age it was you know when a man owns his actions. You can't blame it on anybody else. And so even now as an adult, if I screw something up in our business or I make a bad call, um, there is, I can't point at anybody else. Uh, and I have to point the finger at myself uh, and just own it mm. and, and walk that out. Well, what does that mean? And, and ask for forgiveness a lot of times. 
Um, but uh, yeah, I, I guess that's that's probably one area or one way I would define what does it mean to be a grown man is is owning and having responsibility for your actions. Yeah, yeah, I love that man, and I, I'm uh, kudos to your dad, right, for <laughs> uh, for for holding his keeping his promise, right, yeah. in that process. Absolutely, I'm curious. Like now as a father with your dad being, it sounds like such a great mentor, spoke a lot of truth into your life, spoke a lot of encouragement into your yeah. life. How are you now passing that to your future generations down to your, your four boys? Oh man. Interestingly, I feel like I, I hear my dad, I don't know about you, but I hear my dad in myself every time. Um, and uh, ironically, small shout out to my, my father, uh, Randy, um, he's actually a next door photos, local owner now in oh, his, no way. yeah, in his early sixties. Um, he, it's kind of third, third or fourth career maybe for him, but third career for, for dad. And he's, he's making a run at it and having a blast. He's in, uh, the South Bend, Indiana area. But, uh, now okay. yeah. uh, ironically, man, we, we get to work together, which is kind of cool after all these. That's years. really cool, man. Yeah. But, um, in my own life, um, I think what's happening, because my kids are all six and under, and they're all boys, um, so it's loud, it's crazy, uh, and I do find myself giving that exact same thing, like, man, mm. it's so easy and so quick for my boys to just blame each other. I mean, it's just like, well, but he did this to me, and that's why I punched him in the face, and you're like, no, buddy, like, A, we don't <laughs> punch people in the face, and B, you punched him, he didn't make you punch him, you know, own your, mm. you know, it's responsibility, own your actions. Um, mm. and I just, I hear myself saying things like that and I keep thinking like, oh man, that's, that's Randy. That's my dad. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but I would say this, um, as well on that point, I think it's less that I see like actions right now. Um, cause my kids are fairly young. Um, and it's more that God is solidifying the foundations that were put in me in that stage mm-hmm. of my life. And as a younger man and the different times I've been mentored and discipled, um, I think he's he's more solidifying those those realities in me, um, and mm. I really sense that in this next season, as my boys continue to to grow up, that uh, a lot of stuff will be coming out of me that I didn't even know was there, um, and and maybe that's even part of being a grown man too. Yeah, that's amazing, man. You you started to touch on this a little bit. I'm curious to kind of tug on the. <laughs> on the thread yeah. uh, in, in kind of the, the role as a father and a husband and director of expansion with, with NDP today, uh-huh. like you got a lot going on. You got a lot of pressure on you. Um, I'm curious kind of twofold, like what does mentorship today look like in your life? Mm. And then second, and maybe kind of interwoven in that, like what are some of the like habits and disciplines or routines that you've developed that kind of help you keep up with everything? <laughs> yes. Uh, man, Google calendar is, uh, <laughs> and a shared technology, a, baby. Yeah, a shared, shared calendar with your wife is incredibly important. <laughs> um, that's probably number one. Um, yeah. So mentorship, I mean, that's always played a role in my life, honestly. Um, and I, and I realized when I look back, man, that's a privilege that I had, to have a father that was really involved, um, no doubt. to have a grandfather that was extremely involved. Um, and then, you know, I was an athlete, um, played in college as well. And so I always had coaches and, and really good mentors pouring into me. Um, so mm. I, I feel like I almost, that's, that's like a treasure box for me that, that maybe I got that a lot of people don't have that opportunity. Um, mm-hmm. so I don't take that for granted, but, um, 
yeah, I would say I started getting really serious about my faith after college. Actually, I was 25. Mm. Um, and even though I grew up in a great conservative Christian home, I, I, I walked away. I was kind of the prodigal for my early 20s. Um, but when I found the Lord and really jumped all in, um, man, I got discipled by a guy named Randall. And um, he challenged the, the heck out of me. He just lived for Jesus in a way I'd never seen. Um, and he pushed the envelope. I mean, he literally couldn't walk past somebody on the street if they were limping and not pray for healing for him. Wow. And, and when, when yeah. you're, when you're hanging out with that person on a day-to-day basis and they're pouring into your life, you just, it kind of messes you up. And I'm just like, man, I've never seen this. Um, and then mm. honestly, um, for a few years in my twenties, I, I was discipled by a guy younger than me by a couple of years, um, mm. simply because uh, if we'll humble ourselves to hear and pull on the seeds that, that people have, uh, it doesn't matter what age they are. And so most of the people that have mentored and discipled me have been peers um, for the large portion of my 20s and early 30s. Um, and I'm totally cool with that. I, I was just taught to go after the gold you see in somebody else, pull it, pull on it, pull on it, pull on it. And, um, and that's what I did. So I had a couple of guys that were my age or younger than me that just mm. poured their lives into me. And they were older in the spirit. So that's, that's what I would say. They just, that's they had more, yeah. they had more history with Jesus than I did. So I want to learn yeah. from your history with Jesus. And, and I look around even now and I just, man, when I, when I talk to young guys or I talk at a conference or a, a college or something, I always tell people, hang out with people that love Jesus more than you. Just oh, that's it. cool. Just hang love out that. with people that, that challenge the crap out of you. Like, and so I do, I, I routinely look at my circle of friends or my circle of kind of mentors. And I just go, man, do they love Jesus more than me? And, and if they do, which most of them do, um, then I'm going to be continually challenged. They're going to continue to call me up. They're going to pull gold out of me. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think really since 25, so the last 10 years, I've, I've, uh, I've had the opportunity to really walk under and, and be discipled by uh, some pretty incredible dudes. It's amazing, man. That's amazing. I love that. I love that idea. You're, you're actually the the second guy on the podcast to bring up like, you know, we, I think we picture mentor and we picture like the seasoned guy with a little bit of gray hair yeah. or, you know, whatever the case may be. And, the, and obviously there's a place, a place for that type yeah, of mentorship, absolutely. like those years of wisdom and experience count. But to your point, there, there are men that are our peers or maybe even younger than us that from a spiritual standpoint are yeah. not our peers at all. Right. Yeah. have much more mature spiritual maturity or, or wisdom or experience or exposure mm. um, that we can tap into. I think that's really, there, there's a power in that to acknowledge and understand that it's not about age or yeah. seniority. It's about maturity and experience, right? Yeah. I read a book by Watchman Nee called Spiritual Authority. Really, really oh, good, really good book. And I read that when I was probably 26 and it just, it shifted everything where uh, I was probably in that same camp, uh, especially in the conservative Christian upbringing. I was brought up in promise keepers. You know, it was like, well, if they've got gray hair, then you want to learn from them, which is true. You do. Absolutely. But I read this book uh, by Watchman Nee and and it, it just kind of changed the way I looked at spiritual authority and the Mm -hmm. idea that, man, if somebody has a longer history in Jesus, there's something I can learn from them, period. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I think that uh, I, I adopted that 
through my twenties and, and early thirties for sure. Yeah. That's awesome, man. So you brought up books. Are you a reader? I am. I am a reader. I was a C and D student through college, but uh, man, once I really gave my life to Jesus, I started reading. So I, I read, I do read a lot. I, I do. Yeah. Yeah. What are, what are you, uh, what are you reading now that, that you're enjoying? Hey, uh, well, Hey, shout out Corey Carlson. I am reading his book right now. That's awesome, um, man. I'm, I'm, I'm getting through that right now, which has been really good. That's winning at home first. Uh, yeah. Really good. Um, and then I usually do read two or three books at a time. Um, that makes me sound a little crazy. I only have an hour. Yeah, I only have an hour a day to read. It's before my boys get up from bed. Uh, so it's yeah. early in the morning, but I usually have two or three I'm reading at a time. Um, there was one that was uh, in, incredibly impactful in 2019 that I read, and that was... Uh, Man, it was unwanted by Jay Stringer. Uh, oh, I've never about heard of Healing that. our sexual past and getting into some of that stuff. Phenomenal oh, cool. book. Um, but I did just read one. Uh, man, I could go all day on books. Sorry, I probably shouldn't. But uh, I no, you're I speaking did, my love language. We're, we're enjoying it. Yeah, regardless yeah. Okay, good, good, good. Yeah, you can you can do the the thirty second. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I did read one. It said, "Your future self will thank you." by, I mm. think it was Drew Dyke, or I think that's who it was. But I mean, it was phenomenal. It was all about, um, you know, being able to build up self-control and what that looks like, mm. but it was from a spiritual perspective. And so that was really that's good. Cool. I started the year with that one because um, I'm an eight on the Enneagram. We, won't, we don't have to go there or touch that, but um, I'm an eight. So I, I, so I go hard and I go after things. I'm not super disciplined. And so I thought I'm going to start the year off with a book uh, about discipline so i did That's, there's wisdom in that man there's wisdom yeah. in that totally That's, that explains why you and i get along uh <laughs> now both as enneagram eights nice uh man aaron i've loved this conversation yeah. uh we've we I, I love that we got to kind of hear some of the ndp next door photos yeah. story yeah i love that we got to dig into at least some of of your story and yeah. kind of habits and disciplines and and background I'd love if people want to learn more about you or what's going on at NDP, uh, where should they go? And maybe you could also, we've kind of danced around the local partner. Oh yeah. Thing a bit, yep. But I, I think that's really fascinating. Maybe you could touch on that a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, they can go to nextdoorphotos.com. Um, and if they're, if you're interested in hearing more about what it looks like to own and operate a next door photos location, there's a, there's a tab on the website called ownership. You dive into that. It's a whole nother world it's different than our kind of front facing mm -hmm. website. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you want to connect with me, I'm on LinkedIn. That's probably the best place. Um, you know, you can pop me a message or, or a contact and I'd love to, I'd love to connect. It's, it's literally my job to figure out, uh, where God's moving in the U S and, and what cities we want to launch in and, and then talk to really cool people there and, uh, and find local owners. So, yeah, I mean, we're, we're always recruiting and, and looking for, uh, new business partners and, and local owners in new cities. So if you go on our website, you'll see uh, all of our different uh, locations. Um, if you see a city we're not in, we want to be there um, for the most part. <laughs> so let's have a chat about it. Um, if you see a big city that we are in, um, there's probably more opportunity there. So don't mm. don't feel like, hey, just because you look at Charlotte or, or wherever um, that, oh, there's already one there and reach out. We'd love to have a chat about it. Um, so mm. yeah, you can certainly follow up there. Um, and if you, if you really want to get more information, we do have a, a form to fill out on the ownership uh, part of our webpage. 
uh, you fill that out. It'll come to my team. Um, and one of us will be uh, giving you a ring to, to chat within 24 hours. So feel free. We'd love to talk to you. Yeah. And if you couldn't tell, Aaron's a pretty easy guy to talk to. <laughs> you made my job real easy today. Oh, and I would encourage you guys poke around on the Nextdoor Photos website. If you have the entrepreneurial itch at all, um, I've been really fascinated learning a little bit more about the local partner, like the, just the structure yeah. that y'all have. It's a, it's a really, really unique opportunity. I actually recently, Aaron was listening to a podcast with Gary Keller mm. of Keller Williams, mm -hmm. and he was talking about kind of how they structured some of their partnerships. Yeah. And it made me think of, of you guys. So you have a really unique model. Yeah. Um, I'm excited that you guys are seeing the success that you are mm. and knowing what that is doing from an impact, a social impact, yeah. if you will, yeah. perspective, but even just a kingdom impact perspective, man, is is really powerful. And we'll drop your uh, LinkedIn URL in the show notes so uh, so people can hunt you down. Sweet. I've got one quick story that we yeah. just, we just got uh, from the field. So we have a really... Uh, now, after five, six years of doing this, we have a really well-defined uh, sales funnel. We know how many touches it takes. We know how many phone calls, how many cold calls a day. We, we got all that drilled down. And we, we coach and, and keep our local owners accountable to sales activity to grow their business. And, and um, I had one of our local owners, he's fairly new, really launched in the last five, six months. And he, and he, he reached out to me and we, we chatted on the phone and he said, hey, uh, hey, I, I got to tell you, uh, I've been praying and asking the Holy Spirit for vision for 2020. And um, I felt like he said, I need to spend the first three hours of the day in, in the prayer room at my church. And so mm -hmm. I might be missing some of my sales calls. I might not hit. And I'm sitting there just like, oh, no, don't do this. Don't do this. Because, <laughs> you know, we, we've built this bit. We know this yeah. is going to be successful and blah, blah, Take blah. Take some hustle and muscle, man. And, and he's like, no, but I like legitimately, I feel like this. So he's been doing that for about six, eight weeks. Um, and I didn't tell anybody, I just was like, Oh, I hope this works out. Interestingly, his business has grown about three, 400% in the last six, eight weeks Wow, it continues to just outpace. And so, uh, it's not a, it's not a, uh, maybe not a directive to every single local owner at NDP that's listening to this, but <laughs> it's amazing to see what happens when people listen to the voice of God in their mm. business and the impact that it can make, um, on mm. their business. And so, mm. That's just one of many stories of people hearing God for themselves in their own business within Nextdoor Photos. And I just, man, I'm super passionate and I love it. That's amazing, man. I love that story too, because I think it's prescriptive, not in, okay, if you're an entrepreneur and you want to grow your business, like go spend three hours a day in prayer, right. but instead in, I feel called to this. I feel like the spirit has put this on my heart to go invest this time. And that could be like, you need to make double the sales calls. Like the spirit yeah. could tell you that exactly. too. Right. Yeah. But, but taking action on that, that, that Holy spirit guidance, when you yeah. feel that call yeah. on your heart, I think is, is, is really what that, what that result can create. Right. Yeah. It's so. the keeping it simple. It's hear God and obey what he says. <laughs> That's yeah. it. Hear, yeah. him, hear him and obey him. Whatever simple, it is. man. Grown, grown men need simple. That's right. That's the keep it simple, stupid. I, I learned that a long time ago. And that's but right, is, man. Hear God and obey what he says, and, and uh, you'll be amazed at what happens. Amen. Well, Aaron, thanks again for coming on, brother. Awesome. Thanks, Kurt. Appreciate you. All righty. 
What's up, fellas? I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did recording it. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. If this show has done anything for you, I want you to do two quick things for me if you haven't already. The first is I want you to go to Grown Man Project. Dot com. It's linked up there in the show notes. And I want you to make sure that you're signed up for our email newsletter. We're going to be doing live events throughout 2020. We're going to be sending out content that I think is relevant. If you like this podcast, the content that we're delivering there over email is relevant as well. We're going to be talking about other podcasts that we're listening to, other opportunities to get involved, other things that we are learning as we are doing this journey together as men that are just trying to figure it out in faith work and life, right? So I want you to go ahead and go to grownmanproject.com, get signed up for the email newsletter there. Second thing is leave us a rating and review on iTunes. That really helps us get this show out in front of as many men as possible. We are just trying to lean into what God is calling us to with this show. And so uh, we feel like one of the things God's calling us to is just to help get stories like this, get wisdom like this, get normal conversations, right? These conversations shouldn't be totally off the wall. These should be the conversations that we're having with mentors and with our community day in and day out. We want to get these normal conversations in the ears of as many men as possible. So leaving us a rating or review in iTunes is really, really helpful. I would greatly appreciate it. If you have thoughts, questions for the show, if you have men in your life that you think would be great guests for the show, I'd love to hear from you. You can shoot me an email at Kurt, K-U-R-T, at grownmanproject.com. Thanks again so much for listening, and I'll look forward to talking to you next week. Um, thanks for the opportunity to connect with Aaron. I thank you for um, uh, just bringing our paths across one another um, in such a cool way. You know, I, my heart is is in the digital media space. And so to think that you use that space to now connect uh, two brothers in your name um, to help bring glory to you uh, really makes my heart happy. I, I pray that you would yeah. bless this conversation, that you would give us uh, the words that you want us to speak that don't bring glory necessarily to Aaron and I, um, but focus all the attention and the honor and the rightly deserved praise uh, onto you. I pray that you give uh, Aaron and I just a a calm sense of your presence as we're having this conversation um, that uh, two or more are gathered right now. And so we know you're, you're here with us on the podcast. So uh, with that, I pray all these things in your name. Amen.